Buckle up, because Metro is bringing you the best deal in wireless. Switch to Metro and get your choice of two awesome free phones from top brands like Samsung and LG with huge HD screens and tons of memory for all your pics and videos. So hurry into Metro and get your awesome free phones only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires port and of eligible number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Limit four per account or household. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Midwest Mind Melt. Today's episode is sponsored by... Well, nobody. We don't have sponsors yet. But uh, I'm Jason. I'm Josh. And we're going to talk to you today about another epidemic that's plaguing the U.S. currently and uh, something that we both have a little bit of experience in, um, which is the obesity epidemic and the up and building trend of fitness right now. Josh, how's your week been so far? Uh, week hasn't been too bad, man. Just uh, working, thriving, and dealing with my own little uh, obesity epidemic. How about you? Uh, not too bad, uh... Missing the gym a little bit, haven't been in a while, but life takes hold of you and you kind of fall off the edge a little bit and priorities, priorities change and, and you know, you gotta, you gotta work with what you got. So, um, where do you want to start with, uh, with obesity exactly? I guess I would like to start with, um, I want to ask you, what is the difference between obesity and just simply being overweight? So obesity is when your body fat percentage Every every uh, body type, because everybody's different, be you know based on height, build, because everybody's built differently. Sure. And so, it obesity is when when your when your body fat percentage starts extending past the twenty five percent mark. And it's kind of if you look at the statistics, they say that ninety percent of America is obese because when when you look at obese, uh, the the term of obese. Even being, for some people, even being 10 pounds overweight, 15, 20 pounds overweight, that's considered obese for their body type. And so I can't really say that there's there's a, there's a an exact, like, definition. I mean, there's going to be a textbook definition if you look it up. But what it actually means to somebody could be different for each individual person. Yeah, I would uh, definitely say that I agree with that. And uh, the, the numbers you threw out there, about 25, what was it, 25% body Ooh. fat. Yeah, I've heard similar numbers. They say if you're over 30% body fat, you are definitely obese and not just overweight. Uh, overweight is like 25, between 25 and 30 mm-hmm. is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. You know? and, um, and it's very easy to get that far. And uh, where, where they draw the line again, where overweight then turns into obese is all just dependent on that specific person. But I'm sure that we all know somebody or have been affected by somebody who has suffered from this epidemic. And sometimes it's not something that we can control. I mean, a lot of the time we can, but when we think about the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, we don't really consider where those uh, where those actions are going to lead and what the outcome of those actions are going to be. And we'll start, first of all, with diet. Diet's huge. Um, a lot of families will, you know, it's a lot easier in today's world to eat out and, you know, it's easier to spend $25 at McDonald's on, on your family than it is to go to the grocery store and pick up $25 worth of food, come home, take the time to cook it, clean up all that mess. I mean, we, we all live busy lives and I don't care who you are. We all have busy lives. And I know that for me, especially back when I was meal prepping, I got really big into meal prepping uh, about six months ago. Uh, and I kind of fell off of it and I kind of wish I hadn't, I need to get back into it. But, um, 
when I was meal prepping, it was it was tough. I'd spend Sunday nights. I'd spend four hours just cooking and doing and doing dishes. I it, it's so I get like I don't have kids, you you know. So I can imagine cooking a meal every day for a full family is just it's got to be it's got to be hard. And on top of that, like like we all work different schedules, you know. That that, that nine to five stuff doesn't exist anymore, you know. Especially where like where we work, you know, our, our schedule is so wonky. It's sometimes it's like. I get up an hour before I got to be to work and I don't, I don't have time to cook breakfast. And sometimes it's just easier to grab something out of the vending machine at work than it is to sit there and cook a plate of eggs and toast. No, you're definitely not wrong on that. Um, it's very important to also point out that, uh, in, in previous uh, generations, you know, you had mom that stayed home and she did the cooking, you know, along with the housework. But, you know, in today's household to make it in this current economy, it seems like both parents are working and you don't have anybody staying home and cooking meals. And so people are eating out more or they're buying you know, unhealthy groceries because you can buy a lot more, make less trips to the grocery store on a tighter budget. So that is definitely, uh, economics definitely plays a big role in our um, current epidemic in the U.S. with obesity. Well, and, and to include that, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, you can buy meals like pre-frozen which the the amount of preservatives that are that are in those things is just absolutely ridiculous if you've ever done the uh done the research and looked at what's actually in a frozen meal what it takes to preserve that meal um it's kind of ridiculous and on top not not just let, let, let's kind of get away from diet a little bit too scheduling has a lot to do with that as well if you if you work a late shift like we do i mean we get off at two thirty in the morning i come home what's the first thing i do i eat and then two hours later, I go to bed. So I'm taking in a bunch of calories right before I go to sleep, and that's not good for anybody. It's not good for children. It's not good for any age. Uh, I mean, unless you're a bodybuilder and you're eating four or five thousand calories a day, that one small meal is not gonna not gonna kill you. But and it's not bad. And they always and, and there's a there's a trend if you ever if you've ever done any kind of fitness research that people say you shouldn't eat like four hours before you go to bed, which is actually not true. You just want to eat light. Well, and let me ask you this. I mean, have you ever had trouble going to sleep because you didn't eat? Because I know I have. I, there's been times where I, I just can't go to sleep because I'm hungry. Yeah, your stomach, your stomach's hurting, and, and starving yourself isn't isn't the best way to lose weight in this aspect, and we'll get into that later on. But um, I was talking to a personal trainer at my at the first gym that I had a membership to, and, and I asked him about that because I, I've always had a high metabolism. I've always been able to burn calories like they, you know, like they, like they were paper and fire, but... Um, like he's like, like he pointed out, he goes, he goes, you, it's not terrible to eat before bed, but you don't want to eat a meal before bed. You could have a snack or a protein shake even. So like back when I was in my, uh, my, my really big fitness regiment a couple years ago, when I first started, I would go to the gym after work, I'd work out for about an hour and then I'd come home and I wouldn't eat, but I'd take a protein shake and then I would go to, go to bed and I, I had a, uh, it was like a time release protein. So it, so it, so your body absorbed it over an eight hour period. Cause I figured, well, I'm going to sleep for at least six to seven hours. I said, you know, I'll still have some of that protein being absorbed when I wake up in the morning. And so I don't have to eat as big a meal in the morning. And it did really well. I actually cut a lot of weight. It's one of those things that it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of dedication to get there. And it's just, I, I see, I see this, this problem with obesity and unfortunately the rates keep rising. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I really, really want to be 
one of those guys that can help somebody achieve their fitness goals. Because I love fitness, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little later too. Because I can go on for days about fitness, but um, I just I I see it as such a big upcoming problem in the in the near future because there's so much man. and even kids today man like you look at in 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 there's so many key factors to look at from technology to diet to time to scheduling to everything and it all plays a key factor in all of that and we'll get into we'll get into some of the some of those details a little later but i guess the biggest question for me is where do you see the biggest or what is the biggest factor to you that contributes to obesity uh, definitely everything that you listed is a factor, but the one thing you did forget to uh, list on that is the the emotional problems, the, the depression, um, the way that people, including myself, I have a lot of personal experience in using food as a crutch, basically, and comfort food, you know, we've all heard that term because that's a very real term, so there's almost like a almost like an addiction. I, I wouldn't compare it to a drug addiction, but there is an addiction involved because I notice I do well on diets and working out and I feel good. I feel great, but I still, I just, I don't feel complete. And for some reason that I can't put my finger on, the food just, it, it makes me feel happy for just, you know, a split moment and then I feel bad again. It's just a vicious cycle. And I think myself and many others are caught in this cycle in this hamster wheel and then it doesn't help when you work long hours or when you're under a lot of stress or you know when you're playing on your phone when you know you should be out doing something walking anything but yeah so I definitely say everything you listed but I think the big one too is just the uh, the mental aspect now do you think that the that in in yeah you're you're 100 percent correct and and I did miss that uh emotions and do you think that that affects kids? And not when I say kids, I'm not talking like like elementary school level kids. I'm talking like high school, like first first second year college students. Do you think that 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 could that that's where it starts? Because I mean, if you if you look at today's trends on social media and just not even just on social media, but just in general, um, you hear about kids, uh, um, unfortunately, like suicide at young at young ages over a broken heart. And I mean, like we're talking 12, 13 year olds and it's, it's not, it's not as common, but it has happened. And so would you say, would you say that at some point that could be a triggering moment where it could start, you know, they get that first taste of comfort food as we, as, as you said. And so now they're go to every time something stressful happens or something very emotional happens, that's their go to. Like, they don't have a better outlet for their emotions. Honestly, I would say that it starts earlier than high school age. I mean, comfort food was a part of my childhood. And, um, well, I see, I, I was kind of in, in the weird stage, and you probably might be able to relate to this, too. You know, in previous generations, you know, kids didn't just go in the kitchen in most households and just uh, get food. You know, you had to ask mom if you wanted a piece of cheese or something, you know, a snack, and mom would get it for you. It's, but And uh, that's kind of how my early childhood went, too. But at some point when my mom started working full-time again, I was able to go in the kitchen and grab my own food, you know, snacks that they had bought. And so this is around the time I was seven, eight years old. So I do think it starts very early. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think I was making Top Ramen at age seven in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. And then I think at age 12, I, I graduated from the microwave and ended up cooking on the stove. And you're you're 100% correct. Um, 
you know, my dad was self-employed. My mom, she didn't work for a long time. But when she did start working and I was in school, I mean, we'd get home. She was working kind of like a swing shift. She'd get home at 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, we were in school, so we'd, we'd be in bed already. But it was up to us to cook. And my mom, cooked, she, was, she was a cook in a restaurant for a lot of years. And so that was kind of, I guess, another aspect of, of that was just learning how to cook at a young age, too. But even today, like... With with the with with the invention of hot pockets and Totino pizza rolls and all that stuff you eat you know you eat when you're drunk and and you really don't want to you know ponder life choices but those the access to those foods make it so much easier to eat all the time and even to not 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 just eat all the time but portion control I mean I don't know about you man but when I make Totino pizza rolls dude I make like twenty. Oh, come on, man. Who comes home drunk and says, I want to eat some carrots, you know? You're not wrong. Like, <laughs> who, who does, I mean, if, if you can do that, you know, kudos to you, but I can't do that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm not going to come home and, and, and eat, you know, a head of broccoli. Like, it, like, <laughs> this just doesn't work, man. Like, No, it, the broccoli but, and that alcohol does not sound appealing. You no, know, you, you need want, some grease. You yeah, need you want, some, some heavy stuff. You, and that's what your brain's wanting. Exactly. You want that greasy food that's going to that's gonna really make you feel good and, and kind of soak up some of that alcohol. And, and as a... But I think that, that having access to that food at, at such a young age is, is really also part of, part, of, part of the key factor into uh, where, where the weight problems start. But it's not so much the weight problem. And, and, I, and the, that's the one thing I can say about when I went to the gym. I uh, had a membership, any, membership at Anytime Fitness for two years. And I always went after work. There was, ne- there was never anybody in the gym. But when I would go during the week, say, um, on a Friday at like 5 o'clock, Man, there were so many people in the gym and it was just, it was phenomenal to see the amount of people that are going out there and trying to be healthy. And it's like I try and tell people, um, you know, if they're, cause I get a lot of people like, yeah, man, I've really been thinking about losing some weight. I'm like, cool. What are you doing to, you know, what are you doing to promote that? And they, and they may not be obese, but they may be, uh, you know, a little bit overweight or they're just a little chunky. Those, to those people, you know, they say, well, I, I really don't know where to start. I'm like, start by doing this. Get off the couch and go for a walk around the block. Just just around the block for your first couple of weeks. And then after that, you know, extend to one more block. And then so far, so on and so forth. I say, you don't got to get off the couch and run a mile to lose weight, especially if you haven't ran since you were in high school. You know, a lot of people can't just go out and run two miles like it's nothing. I, uh, I know a guy who runs seven miles a day. He loves to run. I, I don't like to run. I'd rather go hit the gym and lift some weights and... And sit in the sauna for, you know, 45 minutes. But, you know, it's it's also, there's a lot of desire out there to be better. I just feel like some of these people that want to take that step don't know how to take that step. And whether it be dieting or whether it be actually going to the gym. And and, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, resources a little bit later as, as we get into the fitness side of this. But um, some of these people, they just don't know where to start and they don't have the motivation to. And it's hard because... I've never been a guy that had to lose weight. I, like we talked about this earlier this week. Like my like the heaviest I ever weighed was 190 pounds. I've always been around 170, and uh, I dropped. I, I ended up going out of country on a trip for about 30 days or whatever, and I gained a lot of weight pro- just before I left. And when I got back, I went back to my job, and about three weeks, I, I lost 18 pounds. And so it, it's it's doable, but it's a lot of work and a lot of effort, and it's something you really want to do. A lot of people are going to put that effort forward. But do you think that resource, that having resources more readily available, because it's intimidating to go to the gym. If you, if you've never set foot in a gym in your life, it is so intimidating to walk in there. You see these guys that are just absolutely jacked, 
you know, they look like bodybuilders. These guys you see on TV like Vin Diesel and The Rock, you know, they look like these guys. And then you got guys that look like Jason Statham that are completely cut and they just look amazing. Like, it's intimidating to somebody who's who's, set, who's stepping in the gym for the first time because they're like, man, look at this. And, they're in, you know, these guys are, 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 are doing dumbbell presses with 100 pounds and, and you're doing 10. And and that's a and and one of the things I want to point I want to throw out there to, to listeners is don't be afraid to be to take that intimidation don't be intimidated by that actually look at these guys and be like you know what I want to be there because guess what those guys were where you are right now there was something that put them in the gym for the first time and they got addicted to it and not only that when you when you work out you release endorphins which make you happier but getting back to the uh, obesity epidemic side. I kind of got, kind of went down the rabbit hole there for a minute, but just a little bit. Um, but we'll get back to the obesity side of things. But um, obesity being such such a huge epidemic, and the reason it it is such a huge epidemic is because of the the amount of health risks that are involved in this that it can cause. To and and just a few, just to list a few, um, heart disease, and actually heart disease is more commonly found among women than it is men. But obesity does can actually accelerate that in an individual um some uh obc can also cause uh early strokes as well and uh obviously you know we we wouldn't want that to happen but you know you're, you're trying to move around all this weight and your body's not built for it, your heart's not built for it and it just gives up it's like like a tug of war you know eventually you're going to get tired and you're just going to buckle and then well, probably the biggest one type 2 diabetes diabetes is something that has plagued the country for years and both type 1 and type 2, but type 2 is manageable, and being obese uh, actually makes it less manageable because your body doesn't know how to regulate your insulin correctly, and unfortunately, uh, it ends up killing a lot of people. That's how I lost my grandfather um, back in 2005, but uh, he was extremely obese. He was probably upwards about 500 pounds. He was a big dude. Uh, he didn't, he couldn't, he could hardly walk. He, I mean, he just basically died in his bed, man. You know, he was kind of bedridden for the last month that, you know, he was alive and he got really bad. And, um, it's just, it's, it's kind of, uh, saddening to think that, that these people are, are struggling so hard, but, um, diabetes can be manageable through your diet, which if you, if you, if you know your diet, you can not only help manage your diabetes, but you can lose weight at the same time. And I mean, Josh, we were talking earlier this week. I mean, you've been trying the keto diet. How's that been going for you? Well, I haven't really been into it hardcore. What I end up doing is I eat probably four times a day, and three of those meals are a keto-based uh, meal. So there is no carbs. Not low carbs. There is no carbs. And uh, it honestly, when I'm on it, it feels amazing. But again, there's just there's something in my energy level that's just calling out for bread. You know, I just I, I need carbs, sugar. Well, well, the body needs carbs. Carbs are what provide you energy, and if you're not taking carbs in, your body's. You said the keto. The way the keto diet is supposed to work, as you probably know, is when when you're not burning carbs, you're supposed to be burning body fat for energy, and it works. But the problem is, is the keto diet isn't a diet. It's more of a lifestyle because the moment you stop the keto diet, and I had a conversation with uh, this guy that I know who's a personal trainer in Omaha, and we had we had discussed the keto diet at one point, and like he said, he goes, the moment you start eating carbs again, you start retaining all that. And the whole reason that keto works is because carbs hold water. So all you're really shedding when you're when you're on the keto diet is the is the water weight, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's why a lot of a lot of Athletes will do it to make weight. A lot of wrestlers will do it to make weight. 
because you're dropping all that water weight so fast that it makes it so much easier and you don't got to starve yourself to do it. But um, the keto diet is a phenomenal diet and your body has to have some amount of carbs. A lot of people, I, I don't know how people go without any carbs at all. I think, I, I don't know if it's different per person. We didn't get into the weeds that far into it, but I don't know if it's different for uh, that individual, uh, how many carbs that they can take in, you know, based on their body weight, things like that for the keto diet. But do you think that the keto diet would help solve part of our obesity epi- epidemic in the United States? Well, if people were committed to do it, it would definitely solve a lot of weight issues for a lot of individuals. Um, it also would reverse uh, some type 2 diabetes. Uh, the keto diet would do, and I'm not trying to promote the keto diet to anybody because I understand why somebody wouldn't want to do it, mm-hmm. uh, but it definitely could reverse your type 2 diabetes any more than, you know, the insulin that you're going to be paying. You know, I don't even know how much insulin goes for today, but, you know, it is definitely more money than what you need to be spending on if you don't have to. So, keto is definitely a good diet to look into if you are looking to lose some weight rather quickly. If you do hardcore keto for a week, you will definitely notice some big changes in how you feel, your energy level, and uh, you will definitely notice that you lose some weight. Right, so the current rate for insulin, um, according to GoodRx which is one of those websites that we had talked about um, in one of the prior podcasts. Um, I'm looking right now. It's not giving me a definite, like, like how much it would be to pick up a, a, a full prescription. I, I'm assuming insurance would, would change that as well. Well, and another thing, too, is, I mean, you have to really know the level of insulin that you're pumping into your body because I have heard of a few cases where people have actually died from giving themselves too much insulin. So, I mean, insulin, just, basically, when you start sticking needles in your arm because you have to, not because you have an IV drug addiction, you know, you want to try something to where you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, I would think, but not every individual is the same. Well, I just I know mean, if I ever got to that point, I would. I mean, I'm sure uh, we have a buddy who's, whose parents, you know, have been affected by that, but certain certain people with diabetes, man, they... I mean, at some point, you start losing limbs, man. You start losing body parts. Start losing your eyesight. And I can't imagine going through life. I mean, it's different. I guess it's I guess it's not really different. It's different in the aspect of if you're overseas and you get blown up, that's a little bit different. But because, unfortunately, that's not something that's 100% preventable. But being overweight and, and preventing obesity, if I could stop stuttering, that'd be great right now. But um, we we can mitigate... As as as, a, as an individual, we can mitigate what kind of damage it does to our bodies. Because the healthier you eat, the better your body's going to run. I know it sounds so cliche to hear that, but you know, obesity it links to type two diabetes, and that's probably the biggest the biggest thing to take away from this is how 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 it can affect you so bad. Because diabetes affects you your whole life, and as you get older, it gets worse. And obesity has also been linked to certain cancers. Or to uh, not necessarily cause cancers, but to not necessarily not cause them. No, it has been connected to cancer. So that's another thing to consider as well. And there's a lot of things today that are going to give you cancer. I mean, we all we all know it. You know, we, we, we probably know somebody that's been affected by cancer at some point. But if if you knew that you could prevent it from from starting or spreading or make yourself stronger as an individual and, and help your body function better... You think you would want to do it, right? You would think. And so, 
when it comes to being obese and there's a lot of people that are like, man, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I feel like that's, that it's an excuse. It's not high enough on your priority list to do it. And I, and I don't have kids, so I don't, you know, I don't have a hectic schedule. I understand how hard it is with kids, but get your kids out. Go for a walk with your kids. You know, it's not, it's not that hard. You know, um, you know, there, I know people that, uh, like for instance, Josh, you, when, when we go to lunch break, what do you do? You go for a walk. Yes, I do. You know? That's, that's huge. And a lot of people are like, well, I want to eat. Okay. So go take a 15. If you have a, a 30 minute lunch, go take a 15 minute walk. Come back. You have 15 minutes to eat. Don't gorge yourself, but just taking a little bit of, a little bit of food and then snack a little bit throughout your day. And I feel like that's more for like an office type job, but I know everybody at least gets a half hour for lunch. Yes. At least. I think, in, I think certain states require usually. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think certain states require more depending on their labor laws. Um, and I think actually Nebraska you have, it's at least a half hour. Most places will give an hour, but I think it's a half hour by Nebraska's uh, labor loss. But at the same time, you, you can make time for anything you want to do. And that's, and that's the biggest part. Like di- type two diabetes runs on both sides of my family. And so growing up, watching my grandpa suffer, I didn't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. And I'm, I'm terrible, man. I love Mexican food. Don't get me wrong. You can give me a burrito any day of the week. I'm going to eat it. But, you know, I'm also, I also don't eat the healthiest either. You know, I drink a lot of pop and I, I, energy drinks, man. Oh man, if we, if let's not even go there with that, but that's, that's one of those things. It's like, you still, I still watch a little bit of what I do eat. I try to stay away from the super sweets as much as possible. I don't eat snack cakes anymore. Little Debbie was my best friend growing up. You know, at growing up, it's different. When you start getting into that young adulthood and, and, and as you start progressing through, through your years, you have to consider how your body reacts to those things a little bit more. You know, your, your metabolism slows down. You're taking in, you know, when a snack cake is 200 calories, I'll give you a good one. So fra- uh, Starbucks came out with a, uh, it was like a caramel crunch frappuccino. And I'll never forget this because it stood out with me. So if you ordered the venti base, just a base frappuccino that didn't include like uh, extra pumps or, or, you know, extra syrup or, or, you know, chocolate or caramel syrup, extra, you know, in nothing extra. That drink alone was 612 calories. That's a meal. And I know people who would drink two of them a day. That's 1200 calories for just two drinks. That didn't include their, their meals. It didn't include nothing other than that frappuccino for that, you know, for them to enjoy, which I'm all for you guys going out, you know, for people going out and buying the stuff they like, but. Man, you gotta start looking at that. What what you're seeing is obviously this is a very ugly side of capitalism, because we have, you know, a big market of food, and uh, competitors are always looking, you know, for the tastier, cheapest options. And you know, um, if it's cheap enough and it's convenient enough and it's uh, tasty enough, people are gonna buy it. You know, there most people aren't counting calories. Uh, mo- most people who aren't into gym culture, they're just they're not thinking about that stuff and not thinking now these two coffee drinks that i bought from starbucks are you know equaling three uh, 1300 calories most people aren't thinking about that but yeah this is definitely a very ugly side of the, the freedom that we have and um it's it's, it's uh, definitely something we as a society have noticed would you say that fast food and the ability to go out like we talked earlier and get a cheaper meal uh is a big contributing factor to obesity and what in the future of what's to come. Of course, it's a, it's definitely a factor. Like you said, it's convenient, it's fast, and for the most part, cheap. You know, I don't think it's cheap, but 
a lot of people you can feed a family you know for under 30 bucks and to them it's worth it well so i don't know if you've been been seeing the commercials uh they have this uh thing it's called the impossible whopper that that uh, burger king just came out with and it's a it's a patty that's made out of plants it's like i guess i guess it'd be like their vegan (laughs) patty so i actually tried it tonight and i was actually really impressed it didn't taste weird. It it kind of had a weird texture, but it was almost ten more tender than an actual burger, and it tasted really good. And do you think that if uh, restaurants started to incorporate more of like not necessarily a vegan uh, option in their menu, but just healthier, more healthier options? Because most of them do. I know like you can get fruit, and you can like there's like there's healthy options on every fast food menu. But do you think if we offered more than just the standard? Uh, okay, instead of getting a pop, I'm going to get a water. If you offered them something like um, a flavored water or um, something with less sugar, a sugar-free lemonade or something like that, you think that, that people would be more inclined to, to see those options and use them? Uh, some people would. Some people wouldn't. But at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't matter what a fast food place does. Well, um, not Walmart, but McDonald's gives out apples to kids, right? You know, but if you're going to McDonald's, you know, you're not looking to get an apple for yourself. It's just, it's kind of a byproduct while you're there. But what a fast food place is going to do and how they stay in business and how they um, get as many locations as they can is they don't do the healthy option. They're going to do the uh, the most preserved option. So their food, whether it be a soy burger or some type of vegan burger. It's going to be shot up with preservatives and other crap that you don't need in your body. And so at the end of the day, the bullet that you got to bite is if you want to lose weight, and this is something that I've had to face myself, is that you need to cook your own meal. Your meal needs to be cooked by a human being, you know, somewhere that you can actually watch that's not in a fast food restaurant, something that they took out of the freezer and uh, <clears throat> and put on the grill. It's just that's the reality that you have to face. So uh, when when we talked about doing this episode, I, I kind of started thinking about uh, technology and the effect that technology's had on um, the obesity epidemic in itself. And honestly, when I when I sat down, I started thinking about it. It's actually been both um, beneficial and non-beneficial as well. And we'll start with the with with the with the non-beneficial portion of this. And when I'm talking technology, I'm talking about the invention of cell phones and the invention of, like, gaming systems. And gaming systems go back to the 90s, you know, the the, the Atari, you know, to the Nintendo, all that stuff. But I'm talking more like the aspect of uh, kids sitting down for hours on end and playing playing games and, and eating. Your body, ha- you have to get out and do some kind of physical activity for your body to burn those calories. At a young age, it's not that big a deal. But as you get older, some some people don't outgrow that. I mean, if you if you ever log into into Twitch or uh, Mixer, uh, there's a lot of people that stream. There's a lot of people that stream, and most of these people when they stream, they stream for three to four hours. There's one streamer that I follow in particular, and this one, and she will stream five days a week for three hours a, a stream. Like, that's 12 hours a week that's dedicated to nothing more than just playing a video game. And I feel, and when you look at, when you look at the ratio of that, um, if everybody was doing that, it would be a lot worse than it is now. And I'm not saying that, and again, it's, it, it varies by person. My brother was a very big, avid gamer, and he ended up being extremely overweight as a kid because that's all he did. That's all he spent his time doing was playing video games. And I'm not saying that, that it's a terrible thing because I'm, I'm a gamer myself. But 
you got to draw the line somewhere. You can't sit and play a game for 10 hours and expect to, to still be, you know, have rock hard abs, you know, especially if you're doing it every day. Like high school was, I didn't have an issue in high school, man. I played Halo 3 for three to four hours a day every day after school with my buddies. But at the same time, I was also in school. I had a weightlifting class that I took. So I was still getting that physical activity. So you have to balance that out. Now, where it's definitely benefited us as uh, a society that's struggling with the, the obesity epidemic and, and being overweight is the ability to know what's in your food. Having the ability to look up things like the keto diet or how to make a leaner um, lasagna or how to cook things that are healthier. It's put it at our hands, like at the tip of our fingers, so we don't have to go to a, a bookstore and buy a cookbook for cooking leaner with uh, so-and-so chef from like, uh, I don't know, the Food Network. You know, we don't, we don't have, we don't have to do that anymore. Pinterest was probably one of the greatest apps that ever got invented. In fact, that's where a lot of my fitness workouts that I build for myself, a lot of those workouts come from Pinterest themselves and it's experience from other people that, that worked for them. And you can do the same thing with diets, cooking. It's all there. The internet is a huge resource for that. And just even educating yourselves. I mean, we always talk about educating, you know, being more educated as individuals. And we talk about on the podcast a lot about just self-education and reading about uh, ways that you can help fight obesity or help fight type 2 diabetes, things that you can do to uh, help mitigate the effects of it and maybe eventually maybe get rid of it. It's all on the Internet. But don't just read one article and assume that that one article is going to solve the problem for you. So would you say that that technology's more benefited us or it's actually not benefited us more when it comes to looking at the the epidemic itself? I honestly think that technology has uh, the, the negatives outweigh the positives when it comes to uh, us as developing as human beings just in general, but definitely when it comes to fitness and health. Uh, technology, like you said, the, the beneficial side is that you have all that information at your fingertips. You have, as long as you have the will to look it up, you will find it on the internet somewhere. You're going to find a lot of bullshit on the internet, but you will find a lot of truth. A lot of, uh, people sharing their genuine experiences of how to do this or how to do that, you know, how to diet, whatever, how to lose weight. But the, the problem is, is, you know, if uh, we, we just, we have a society full of people that don't care. They don't care. They want to blame everything. They want to blame McDonald's. They want to blame the technology, the video games, for why they're overweight. Um, some people can't help. You know, they might have a thyroid problem, some type of medical issue. You know, but those people are in the minority. There, most people, it is due to they just don't care. They don't. Uh, they don't want to educate themselves. And honestly, I don't feel sorry for people like that. You know, me, myself, I'm a big guy. I'm always going to be a stocky guy. Even when I was in the best shape of my life about seven years ago, I was not a skinny dude. That's just not how I'm built. Now, however, I may be a big dude, but I'm athletic. I try. I walk. I jog. I do boxing because I, I love these things, um, how they make me feel. They, uh, It's very empowering. And a lot of people are lacking that empowering, but I don't feel sorry for them because... They do not um, need to be that way. They have all the information at their fingertips, but they just want to blame something or somebody or just feel sorry for themselves. And I just, honestly, man, I, I don't like hanging around people like that. They're, they're toxic.
So uh, I, I'm going to toss it out there and just as a personal thing to kind of, I don't want to jump down the rabbit hole too far, but a lot of people lack motivation and don't have a way to find motivation. What do you use to motivate you to get up and go for a walk or to get up and go jog around the block? How do you motivate yourself? I look to athletes that I've admired. Rocky Marciano is definitely one of my biggest uh, uh, past athletes that I really admire. I love to watch videos of him training. I love to read about um, what his basically ideology was on fitness. This guy was a fitness junkie, but he was a very humble guy. You know, today, what you were talking about earlier was gym culture. People are intimidated by gym culture, and so they look at these people who they consider you know, to be perfect and have perfect lives. And they say, well, why would I even bother? You know, I don't look like them. I'm just going to walk in there and they're going to judge me. They're going to tell me I'm doing things wrong. You know, I can see why people are intimidated by the gym culture. But me, myself, I guess I, I just look to, I look to those guys like Rocky Marciano and it just seems like they didn't care what anybody was doing. They didn't care how their body looked at the end. They just wanted to get, they just wanted to gain the strength. They wanted to gain the power uh, no matter how their body looked at the end of the day. So going back to uh, the gym culture thing, I've been I've been a part of the gym culture now for about three years, and that's hardcore gym culture. Um, I like I said, I haven't been in the gym probably in about four months. Uh, I'm dealing with a shoulder injury for a while, I'm still kind of dealing with it, but kind of slowly getting back into it. But first of all, I'm gonna throw this out there to anybody who is thinking about going to the gym and is intimidated. Do not be afraid to go to the gym and be judged because you're not gonna be judged. Somebody, if somebody sees you struggling, there, especially if the gym's full, nine times out of ten, somebody's gonna come up and they're gonna give you tips. For instance, when I first started going to the gym, I didn't know Dave. I actually met Dave through somebody else. But there was a night in the gym, and I'll never forget this. I was trying, I was working, I was doing an ab workout, and I was, and I couldn't find something that was working for me. This guy wearing headphones and a hoodie with his hood up, doing his own thing. Stopped his workout, mid-workout, and came over and taught me how to, do an, how to do an additional ab workout to help get a better workout. Two years later, we're like best friends. So don't ever be intimidated by those people. They're, and I'm not saying that, they're, that, that you're not going to get judged. There's not going to be people that are like, oh, look at this guy. Because there are people like that in the gym, and I hate those kind of people because we all start from somewhere. Whether And that's in any aspect of life, you know, whether it be a job, whether it be a hobby. You know, you have to start from ground or from, from point zero and eventually build your way up. And a lot of gym culture, that's a hobby to a lot of people. It really is. It's, it's no different than board gaming, woodworking, wood burning, crocheting. It's a hobby. To add to that, I would ask you, um, some people kind of treat it like it's a religion. Have you ever seen people like this? Because I, I know I have. I do actually have a buddy. Um, he actually co-owns a nutrition store here in Fremont. I'm trying to get him on the podcast. Oh, uh, that would be awesome if we could but, get him. Um, I, was I was talking to him one day when I was in the store about uh, my struggle on a daily basis. We're going back probably about a year ago. Uh, being consistent in the gym, I was struggling pretty bad with it. Um, after my schedule changed, me and Dave, we, we actually became workout partners. And we just, uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of a sad situation because his schedule changed and so we no longer worked out together. I lost a lot of motivation. And he, and he looked at me and he said one thing. Uh, he treats it like brushing his teeth. He has to do it every day. And I thought about that. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of funny because we do things every day that we don't even think about. You know, you know what the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning? Start a pot of coffee. First thing I do. First thing I do in the morning? 
take a big shit, then I get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Just... I can't I can't really say I've gone that far, but um, yeah. So that's one of those things is like we like we have daily tasks that we do and we don't even realize we do it. That's how he is, you know. And and he doesn't go the same time every day, but it's, I'm still thinking about that comment. But um, <laughs> we uh. You know, he, like you said, he treats it like brushing his teeth. You know, he has to do it every day. If he doesn't, he's, it's just, it, his day's all messed up. And that's what, that's, sometimes that's what it takes, you know? And it's like those people that go to Starbucks every morning, for instance. That's part of their day. Now, if more people implemented that into going to the gym or just going on a walk, we would, we would start seeing these, uh, obesity rates decline. Um, the current obesity rate actually in the United States is 32%, which actually was, was a lot less than I thought it was. Yeah, it'd be a lot but, less than I thought it was. Um, they're saying that, uh, they didn't have, that was in 2017, mind you. They don't have obesity. They, they, they're still calculating 2018. The CDC's putting all that together, which I did get all this information off the CDC.gov website. They're great. I didn't realize they had all this information. So if you ever want to go educate yourself on this, um, that's a really good website to go look at. So just just to get a little bit, just a couple of statistics here. So surprisingly, when we're looking at age ranges, age, ages 20 to 39, the obesity rate's actually 35.7%. And it's actually higher among older people, which as you get older, your body doesn't work the way it used to. You know, you end up, you know, with a bad knee or you, you don't get out. So, but it's not a substantial increase. So 40 to 59 years old, it's only 41%. So realistically... The obesity epidemic, yes, is it's it's an epidemic, but after looking at the statistics, I don't think that it wasn't as high as I thought it was. No. I really thought it was going to be higher than that. But in the last five years, look how much the fitness trend has taken off too. I mean, between CrossFit, you know, Olympic weightlifting, well, Olympic weightlifting's always been around, but with the invention of CrossFit, uh, P90X, Insanity, and we're not endorsed by any of these, just so you know. I'm just throwing these out there because these are workouts that I've done or at least participated a little bit in. Um, Insanity was a great workout. I wish I could do it again. I just don't have my, my videos. But um, T25, all those, all those with the invention of what, what they refer to as HIT workouts, which is high-intensity interval training, it, people have been able to lose weight and keep weight off a lot easier than they did in the past. And so I feel like, yes, probably going up into the next few years, the obesity rate might climb a little bit. But I have a feeling as we progress through the next 10 years, we're going to start seeing it decline because a lot of people are being more educated and they're they're reading a lot more about this and they find out that fitness is actually something that can actually make you feel better. And a lot of people, you know, I know people that'll go to the gym for a week and they're like, man, I just can't do it. I'm so sore. Well, the thing is, is your body's not used to doing that. I'll tell you what, my, my first hell week in high school for football the first three days, I was so sore. I couldn't, my abs hurt so bad, I couldn't sit down to poop. Like, I had to, like, throw myself on the toilet seat because it hurt so bad. The fourth day rolled around. We did our morning warm-up and our morning practice. I wasn't sore no more. Because my muscles at that point had been conditioned to get their freaking asses kicked. That they're like, all right, let's do this. And and so, my, my, my words of advice to those people that are out there that are struggling um, with weight problems. And maybe not obese, but just weight problems in general that are scared to get off the couch, it's going to suck for the first little amount of time that you do it. But the harder you go, the less it's going to hurt. And and it sounds ridiculous because usually it's the opposite, but you can do it. And it's not going to be, it, it's not going to be as bad as you think it is. It's going to suck. Yes. But 
uh, a couple of my friends in the military, they like to use the, the phrase, embrace the suck. If it's something you're really passionate about, you're going to embrace the suck. And that's just 100% how it's going to be. I think I've uh, heard that in porn as well. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, Jason, I mean, um, I, I, I am going to have to disagree. I don't think the uh, obesity uh, epidemic is going to go anywhere. I mean, they have... Uh, been documenting that it is actually increasing slowly but it is increasing even with the rise of uh fitness trends and um gym culture and and everything these high intensity workouts because what it comes down to at the end of the day is uh, a lot of people in modern times they don't like to be uncomfortable and if you're looking to lose weight like somebody like me if i wanted to drop 150 pounds. Would you agree? I'm going to have to put myself in some very uncomfortable situations multiple times to throw my body off to lose this fat and to go through maybe some dieting that is going to be uncomfortable at first. I mean, I, there's no way to do it and be in my comfort zone. 100%. And one of the things that I learned learned going back probably, probably when I first went into management is the best way to build yourself as a character, though, is to put yourself in an uncomfortable position and put yourself somewhere where you're out of your comfort zone. Because what that does is it teaches you how to be a better person. And how to... Teaches you what obstacles you can actually overcome. And yes, I'm, I'm not going to lie. To get to achieve what, what you're talking about achieving, you're going to be in an uncomfortable position. At least it, even just at first. You know, eventually it might mellow itself out. And you might end up in a situation where you might be comfortable. But think about this. Let me put it in this perspective for you. So say you start working out and you start going hard, hard, hard. You're uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. A month later, you're finally getting to that point where you're comfortable in the gym. And somebody that looks similar to you and is feeling the same way as you walks into the gym for the first time when you're there. Now you can say, you know what? I've been where you're at and it's going to work out. Yes. No pun intended, but, <laughs> um, it, you know, you could be that, that little bit of motivation that that person needs to keep going to the gym and, that's that's the way that I always looked at it when I when I was in the gym, you know, because I I'm not gonna lie, man. I mean, I lifted in high school, but after that, I did all my workouts. My workouts, I I did insanity at home. That's that was it, you know. I never stepped foot in a gym till I moved to Nebraska, and I went in there one day, like my first day I toured the gym. I was like, bro, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, look at these guys. They're in there, freaking ripped, just good looking people, man. Just you you could tell they've been in there a while, and. uh you know, they just hop onto a bench. They just start doing this workout. And I'm like, what are they even doing? You know, I had to go home and educate myself. You know, what are workouts? You know, what are the best ways to work out? And yes, there's a lot of intimidation factor, a lot of uncomfortableness when you go into that not knowing anything about it. But it's no different than when you start a new job, right? Absolutely. I mean, when you started your, you know, when you started where you're at now, I mean, I don't know if you ever had any experience in that kind of an industry before. I know I didn't. I worked retail no. my whole life. And then I went into a production job and... That was a complete opposite spectrum job for me. And so it was extremely uncomfortable for me trying to learn a new skill on the fly. And so it'll be the same way as well. And moving into like the fitness portion of, of the episode, uh, that's kind of where, where I want to be that, that motivation for somebody else is to know that I've been there, I've gone through it, and you get more comfortable with it as the time goes on. Because you'll, you'll start meeting people at the gym. You'll start working out together. And you'll have one guy that knows how to do something to work a muscle a little bit better. You might figure out, you know, a workout that might work, work, uh, you know, work a muscle a little bit better, you know, than they do. And that's that's how you build those relationships. And now I'm going to have to 
to tell you this. What you kind of remind me of is you almost kind of remind me of an army recruiter, except you're recruiting for the gym. Or as if the gym is your church and you're trying to get new converts to join your church. You know, you're, you're telling me that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to network, I'm going to meet people, and I might even be a motivational force for them. And I think a lot of people hear stuff like that. Like, I know where you're coming from. I, I genuinely know you're a good dude, and you really do want to see people do better. You don't want to see people fail. And that's one thing that I respect about you. But a lot of people, they, they hear stuff like that, and it reminds them of kind of like these douchey um, fitness uh, celebrities that you might know some of. And it almost turns people off because mm -hmm. they feel like they're being, they're trying to be converted to a religion. Like, you need to go to the gym. Like, you can't be saved if you don't go to church. Well, you can't lose weight or you can't be fit if you don't go to the gym. Which actually is, which, um, yeah, I see, I see, I see, where, I see how you're seeing it now. And, and I just, when I'm, you know how it is when you're passionate about something, you can talk about it for hours. And that's how I am about fitness. I'm very passionate about it. I know I'm not a, I'm not a certified personal trainer by any means. I have no schooling. Everything I've learned, I've learned from people or on the internet. But um, one of the things that, uh, that to caveat on what you're saying is a lot of people do get intimidated because they think, cause people try and sell them on the fact that you can't lose weight without going to a gym or without spending expense, a lot of money on expensive equipment like on a Bowflex that you don't really need. Or um, what's that new one? The Peloton bicycle? Yep. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people, like, they try and tell you on that because, well, you can't lose weight without that. And that's a lie. Did you know that losing weight is 75% diet, 25% exercise? I did. I know that firsthand. And that's and that's key is so many people think that, I, mean, I just got to hit the gym, I got to hit the gym, I got to hit the gym. Nope. No. And, you know, there's a, there's a common phrase, abs are made in the kitchen. You know, everybody wants a six-pack washboard abs, man. That's the hardest freaking thing to get in your life. I have not gotten it, and I've been working for it, and it's hard. I like, except for the last four months, I haven't really been working for it. But there was a time when, when, when I could start to see the definition, and when you start seeing those results, it becomes you're, you're like, man, I gotta keep going because I'm seeing results. I'm seeing results. But ninety percent of what you eat deals with how your body's gonna look, how much weight you're gonna gain, how much weight you're gonna lose. Like, and and there's there's been in my experience, there's always that option. Um, where like you might be at a, uh, a, uh, you know, a gathering or something, everybody eats like, okay, for our pizza parties, you know, at work, like they're like, Oh, everybody's eating all right. Seconds. Do you really need seconds? Like you that, don't need it, but I that, want that, it. That's, <laughs> quite, that, that's exactly what I'm getting at. You don't need it, but you want it because you, you know, it's like, man, that pizza was awesome. It was bomb. It was good. And so instead of eating two pieces of pizza, you end up eating four or five. And then you're like, you're miserable because you're. I, I don't know about you, man. I hate being, like, so full to the point I can't move. Yeah. And not only that, working after that, whew. And so, at the end of the day, you have to learn how to make those choices, those mental choices of, like, okay, yeah, I could get seconds, but do I really need seconds? And, you know, sometimes, depending on what you're doing, you might need a little bit more. Some days, you might need a little bit less. And it's learning, learning, that's the learning curve when it comes to losing weight, is, is finding those times. And, and that's huge. So like lunchtime, yeah, it's probably all right to eat like four, especially in our job environment. It's probably okay to eat four or five slices of pizza because you're probably going to burn it off in the next five hours. Right. Or but close if, to if it. If you're working an office job, it's not the case. Which when I, before I went out of country, I was, I took a, I took a two month job working in an office and I ate exactly the same way that I did. And I went from 170 to 190 pounds in two months because I didn't change the way I was eating. I was burning 2000 calories but i was still taking in three so my caloric deficit wasn't where it should have been and that's again 
the learning curve of losing weight is is you got to look at your daily activities and that's why I, I, I try to tell I, I don't sell people on gym memberships because you don't need a gym membership to lose weight and that's one of those things is I got a gym membership because I like to lift weights I, I don't my house is so small I can't put a gym anywhere in here but so so that um, gives me that opportunity but going back we're gonna bounce back all the way to the start of the episode when you mentioned emotion leading into obesity and I, I said something about having a proper outlet for emotion I'm sure you probably know people that use weightlifting and exercise as um, an outlet for emotion. You know, I tell people, um, you know, one of the guys I was training this week, you know, he was getting frustrated. And I told him, he's like, I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, well, what happens when you get frustrated? I get mad. I'm like, yeah, you know, you know what anger is? It's an unproductive emotion. So a lot of people use weightlifting as their, or not just weightlifting, but exercising and fitness as their outlet when they're having a bad day, when they want to go get lost for an hour and just focus on them. That's how a lot of people look at it. And you'd be surprised because you think, man, I got I got to worry about lifting this weight. So on those days that, they, 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 that you're dealing with heavy emotion or you're dealing with um, things that include, you know, just anything, those days don't lift as heavy, you know, maybe go for a ride on the bike, maybe go for a walk on the treadmill. I, uh, I, I was doing this thing uh, about a couple years ago. Uh, I wouldn't say a couple years ago. I'd say about a year and a half ago. I'd go work out for 30 minutes. I'd do a 30-minute lift, which isn't much. But I would go walk on a treadmill at 4 miles an hour at a 15% incline for an hour. On the treadmill alone, I burned 1,000 calories. And I did that for about a month. And I, I lost inches. I didn't, I didn't lose any weight, but I lost inches. And so on those, those, so those days were the days where I was just like I was dealing with some stuff or I was going through with some stuff I had some stuff on my mind that I just didn't really want to try and lift through and music wasn't solving it for me so I'd throw Netflix on my phone set it up on the on the treadmill and I'd just walk a four mile an hour pace for an hour and it was probably one of the most relieving things that I've ever had that I ever did actually in the gym and I haven't done it since and I kind of miss it and like I said I'm slowly getting back into the gym after having that shoulder injury and uh whatnot and being gone, I was out of state for a little while too at that time. So, you know, getting back into it, those are the kind of things that, that, that you, that you do to jumpstart your body because you're not going to jump into a, you're not going to jump into insanity, you know, after not working out for six years. It's just not going to happen. You're going to be so dog tired. You're not going to be able to do half the exercises. Insanity was intense. Obviously it's insanity. And even as in good shape as I was, I still struggled to complete an exercise all the way through. I would still stop and take breaks. But Sean T being talking about fitness, you know, those, those, those douchey fitness guys, Sean T is probably one of the best, uh, video coaches that you could have. Cause one of the things he, he often talks about is don't do more than you know you can handle. And that's huge. And so like, if you're an extremely overweight person or if you're an obese person and you know that you cannot walk around the block, walk to the end of the block and then walk back and do that a couple times. But if you need to rest in between, Stop, take a, take a, take a, a rest and then do it again. And that's kind of key where it comes into doing all that is, is knowing what, what your body's capable of. And so at the end of the day, having that knowledge and, and again, it's, it's kind of a learning curve, especially if you've never done it before. But if you could encourage people right now, say something encouraging to people that are, that are on the fence about trying to lose weight and just not trying to put up with it, what could you say to help push them over that, over the fence there? Uh, one thing I would say to my uh, fellow obese Americans is um, 
you're going to hear all these crazy voices from all these uh, fitness freaks on, you know, how to lose weight. You're, you're going to hear, oh, you need to take this supplement. It's just, it's, it's a bunch of chaos. I know because I live in this culture, so I hear it. But coming to lose weight, you know, um, when it comes to losing weight, you need to keep it simple. And, and what I mean by that is ignore all the crap that you hear about supplements and, you know, don't, don't dwell on what you need to be taking as far as supplements go and what gym you need to join. Uh, when it comes to losing weight, the best advice I ever got is, you know, try and find a buddy because trying to do it in isolation is uh is twice as hard i would say maybe even three times as hard especially when you're starting out right yes and most people fail when you got somebody there to help uh, keep you motivated and accountable that obviously helps with just about anything but especially keeping you motivated to lose weight and plus you also build a bond a, a brotherhood you know in the military you guys work out together you guys um do all sorts of you know pt together and same thing with law enforcement because it helps build a bond a brotherhood anyway but yeah, to keep things simple, I mean, obviously, your diet plays a big role. And if you are, if you do start walking, you do start working out, your body's going to want certain things, you know. It's not going to scream for the cheeseburger right away. It's, it's going to want some healthy nutrition. Now, eventually, your cravings may never go away. Mine okay. have never gone away. I'm going to stop you for a moment, just just real quick, though. To caveat on that, if you've ever done a, done an intense workout and then looked at a donut, it is the most unappealing thing you'll ever look at in your life. And this is coming from personal experience because I used to, I used to work out and I'd go to Walmart after work and I'm like, man, what sounds good? And I'd walk, I'd walk past the bakery and I'm like, not one of these things even sound like it would be remotely good right now because I, all I could imagine myself was puking it back up because my body wasn't looking for that. Yeah. And like you said, is your body's going to want certain things. And the biggest thing that I can tell you, if you're losing weight, if you want a candy bar, don't deprive yourself of that because then you're going to go and binge eat. You're going to be like, man, I got to have like six of these because I haven't had one. And if you want a candy bar, eat a candy bar, but just one. Yeah, and and don't lose hope as, oh, I ate this candy bar, so, you know, screw it. I'm just going to, well, what's the point? It was one candy bar. It was one Gatorade. You'll be fine. And actually, Gatorade is not bad for you. It's just high in sugar. So if you're looking to lose weight, the G2 Gatorade and the Powerade Zero is actually a better alternative for you than just regular Gatorade and Powerade. Right. a little bit of advice the there. water is the best it a hundred percent and the more you work out the more exercise you get and the more water you drink the better your body's gonna feel and uh going into that is is it's just i mean that's great advice josh like keeping it simple is huge and like you know like like i tell people you don't have to go to a gym you can go get a, a, a jump rope at walmart for three bucks um yeah you can get dumbbells there uh things like that you don't need that kind of stuff um, but, uh, one of the other things that you can get rather cheap, elastic bands and elastic bands will actually help you, will help strengthen your muscles, especially if you're not looking to get big, you know, it, it'll help tighten up some of that muscle, some of that loose skin that somebody might have that they want to get rid of. It'll help do that because you're, you're using your resistance. So you're, you're utilizing your own body weight to lose weight. And it, it seems like a, kind of like a ridiculous concept, but it works, which is what insanity did. You use your own body weight to lose weight. And of course, insanity, I'm not saying that insanity's uh just doing the exercise itself. It comes with a diet book right. and kind of tells you how to eat. And yes, your portions are gonna be smaller when you're losing weight, but you can also snack throughout the day. The whole point, the best way to lose weight is to have some kind of caloric deficit. So if you're burning four thousand calories a day, try and only eat twenty five hundred, you know, or only three thousand. And another important thing too is is that a lot of people measure, you know, how much calories am I taking in and then how much am I 
burning on this treadmill. What people fail to realize is, is that not only are you burning calories on that treadmill, when you're in rest, if you've been doing cardio and you've been lifting weights, you're burning calories when you're sleeping, when you're sitting on the couch. You know, so you don't have to think, oh, I only burned 1,500 calories this session. And to caveat on that, uh, fitness uh, personal trainer told me this too. Um, you actually burn more calories post-workout weightlifting than you do doing cardio. So when you, so anytime that you weightlift and you're sore and, and, and you can feel that soreness in your muscles, you're still burning calories. Yep. And so, cal- so when you do cardio, you're still going to burn calories post-workout, but you're only going to burn them for up to six hours pr- post-workout. When you weightlift, you're going to burn calories longer because your muscles have to burn calories to repair themselves. Well, your body has to burn calories. I re- let me restate that. Your body has to burn calories to rebuild those muscles. And so that's why it's, it's crazy to think about like how long you're sore, but you burn more calories the longer you're sore. And it seemed ridiculous. And I didn't, and it never dawned on me, but yeah. So don't ever think that, that just cause you're resting doesn't mean you're, you're not burning calories. You're just not going to burn as fast of calories as you, as you would if you were actually actively working out. But yeah. You can, you can work out in your, in, in your own yard, in your, in your living room, your basement, wherever, your garage. I know guys that have, that have their garages that, uh, they have like one weight, one weight bench and that's it. And then they have a like, like I said, bands, um, and jump ropes and things for cardio because that's huge. And you can do, um, hit workouts in your, in, in your living room. I mean, like I said, pin, like I mentioned earlier, Pinterest is huge. You can, you can find all that stuff on there and, and it's great, great information to use. Because there's a lot of people that don't have the time or have kids and can't can't get away for an hour to go to the gym. Which, if you're spending three hours in the gym, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Because if you're not a bodybuilder, you shouldn't be spending that long in the gym. Just so you know. Because 45 minutes to an hour and 30 is about all you need. If you're looking at losing weight and staying fit. Because you don't need three hours in the gym. So, if you're spending three hours in the gym, reevaluate how what you're doing when you're there. Because chances are you're probably on your phone more than you should be. But, that's... That's here nor there. That's your issue, not mine. But, um, yeah. So you can, you can work out at home pretty cheap. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything super extravagant. Um, I, I didn't know this cause it's not very big in Arizona, but in apparently in Nebraska, by bicycling is huge. Go buy a bike, bicycle, you know, ride your bike around the block. You know, that's also a, a good form of cardio. Um, but the best, the best form that you can, the, the best, the best thing that you can do to lose weight, take that first step and get off the couch. That's going to be the, the biggest and most beneficial thing that you can do. Because here's the thing. You might be, you're, you're going to take that one step. You're already one step ahead of those people that are, that are, that are still sitting on the couch watching TV because they say they can't do it or they don't have time to do it. Make it a priority. If that's, if that's your goal, find time to do it. And uh, one of my buddies, the other co-owner of the, the supplement shop here in town, um, he did a really good, uh, two minute, uh, uh YouTube episode about, about priorities and, and how people who use the term, I don't have time. Well, you have time. It's just not high enough on your priority list to make time. But there's a lot of people that sit on that fence a lot of the time thinking, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to better myself. And like, I, you know, like I said, my advice to you, take that first step. Just get off the couch. That's going to be the first step. Every step after that's easy. That first step's always the hardest. And, uh, learning how to cook. Hey man, internet's great for that too. Um, there's a lot of healthy stuff you can do. Uh, I actually didn't eat a lot of sweet potatoes as kids, as a kid, but I've actually grown to love them as I as I progress through my fitness journey. Um, and actually, you can you can get them fairly cheap. They're not they're not terrible, 
and they're very easy to make and very delectable and delicious to make that make them very, very, uh, enjoyable. I, um, Josh, you make, a like keto salads at work, which is like broccoli and like pepperoni and stuff like that. Where did you find the recipe for that? I just did a quick Google search and found that on Pinterest actually. So your price for Pinterest is not wrong. No. Uh, and so that's just one example of it. And, uh, you can, I will also add real quick, it has actually been cheaper on my wallet to uh, make the, to pre-make these salads. It takes just about 45 minutes every Sunday. So, and that's enough to get me through the week at work. So it's actually been a lot cheaper on my, on my, uh, budget. And, uh, I want to, I want to throw this, I want to get rid of this stigma too. Frozen vegetables aren't terrible for you. If you, if you don't have covered space or you don't have, uh, you know, enough space to store canned veggies or fresh veggies, frozen vegetables are actually a really good alternative because frozen vegetables are just as healthy as canned or maybe not as healthy as fresh because there are some preservatives, obviously, but they're not, they're not, there's not much difference in the nutritional value between fresh vegetables and frozen vegetables. And you can get frozen vegetables pretty cheap. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a bird's eye guy. I mean, I'll buy the store brand, you know, if it's something interesting, cauliflower rice, that was another really great invention, let me tell you. But, um, you know, if you can't find a store brand, yeah, you may have to pay a little bit more, a dollar twenty nine or a dollar thirty five for the Bird's Eye brand or, you know, whatever. But um, the Steam Fresh, that's the other brand. But um, those uh, those frozen vegetables are actually another really great alternative to eating healthy and, and meal prepping and meal prepping stuff. Like I like I said earlier in the episode, you know, if I meal prep for a full week and I'm talking like 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 meals where it's like chicken breast and vegetables, I'm I'm cooking, you know, I'm cooking for four hours. But uh, it doesn't hurt to, you know, throw some chicken in the crock pot and cook that chicken up over, you know, if, if you got stuff to do or errands to run, throw it on low. Throw a couple chicken breasts in there. Let them, you know, boil them up, shred them. You know, you add them to your salad or, or uh, slice them up. You can uh, do a, a quick pan sear with them. Throw some marinade on them. Throw them in the pan. Sear both sides of it. Lock that flavor in and you're good to go. So there's a lot of healthy alternatives out there and there's a lot of things you can do to help, uh, better yourself but you're right um i've noticed when i was meal prepping i wasn't eating out so much it was a lot easier on the wallet and it seems ridiculous because you're like well i can go get a whole meal for seven bucks at burger king yeah but look at what look at what you're putting in your body too you know yeah you might have to pay a little more for groceries but one your groceries are going to go further and they're going to be a lot healthier and you're going to learn how to make that stuff taste good and there's plenty of like josh said you know pinterest is, is 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 amazing I, I, I will praise Pinterest till the day I die because of how it's helped me in my journey of, you know, fitness and losing weight and staying, staying, you know, relatively, um, under or average weight, I guess is if that's the term you're looking for. But that, that in itself is just huge. You know, the resources are there and it's just taking again, that first step. But I think that's all we got, Josh, to be honest with you, man. I just want to end on one more thing for our listeners. Um, to sum up everything that uh, Jason told you and uh, the advice that I've thrown your way, uh, I want to end with uh, actually a Socrates uh, quote. And, uh, I, and I want you all to um, basically find a motivation. Find something that, that gets you uh, motivated or even passionate. It would even be better to, to get off the couch and to work out. Before you uh, throw a quote out there, can I yeah, go caveat on to that? I, uh, quick story real quick, but I had a district manager that worked, that I worked for and she had created what she called a goals board in her room and it was just a bulletin board and she, she got really creative. You know, I, I mean, if you're a dude cool and you're not into that, that's cool. 
but write your goals out. So every day when you wake up, you see them. And it, and, and that, that, that motivated her to achieve her district manager level. That was her goal. And that's what she worked for. So that's another thing that you can do. Simple stuff like that. Um, I know somebody who hangs post-it notes on their bathroom mirror, you know, with, with, uh, with simple quotes like you can do it. Today's going to be a good day. You know, remember you're, you're important too. things like that. That'll help motivate you throughout the day. It's kind of crazy to think, you know, you're like, oh, that's not going to motivate me. But subconsciously is where it gets you. But anyways, Josh, go ahead. I, I apologize. No, that actually reminds me of another saying. There's another saying that says you don't just bathe once a month. You know, you bathe, you know, every day or every other day. And the same thing goes with motivation. You don't just motivate yourself once and expect it to stick. you got to continuously motivate yourself. But uh, to end with the Socrates quote, it's an old quote, and uh, he says, No man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And I don't know about you, but that quote kind of hits me. It's like, I don't want to grow old and not... Uh, not see what I'm capable of. Absolutely. 100%. That's, that's true empowerment. That, that truly is. And uh, we'll end on that. Um, I want to throw a reminder out there. We do have an email set up, uh, midwestmindmelt or at gmail.com. If you guys have anything you guys want to talk about or you guys you know have some comments you want to say, good, bad, and ugly, send them our way and we'll, uh, we'll address yeah. them. If you just want to call me a fat fuck, that's fine. <laughs> 100, you know, it, it's not going to hurt our feelings one way or the other. We hope you guys like the content we're bringing you. If there's anything we can improve on, let us know. But uh, until next time, everybody have a great week, and uh, I hope you guys got something out of this episode. How do I control money? Envelopes. The first of the month, I divide up my cash. One for groceries, one for gas, one for fun. It helps plan out my spending. And that's how we came up with digital envelopes for your checking account. Our customers give us the best ideas. Huntington, welcome. Capital One presents a 30-second audio tour of Ireland. Sheep. Fairies, golf, charming castle, charming castle, charming castle, charming castle, charming castle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know you can actually go there when you use the Capital One Venture Card. You earn unlimited double miles on every dollar you spend on every purchase, which means you'll have plenty of miles to actually travel to Ireland. The Capital One Venture Card. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA NA. 